I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 86. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It is a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above, which is where the name of the podcast comes from, Colossians 3, verse 2. The scientist, philosopher, and author Blaise Pascal said this, In difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind. Oh, I really like that one. In difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind. I suppose that's what this podcast is all about, to help you keep something beautiful in your minds, which will help you endure difficult times. And boy, we have been enduring difficult times, have we not? Today's thought from above is this. We are who Jesus says we are. The other day while studying the Bible, something that I love to do, I came across a verse that actually stopped me in my tracks. It's a verse from 2 Kings 17, 15, and it reads this way. They went after false idols and became false. They followed the nations that were around them. Now, the background of the story is that the Israelites had rejected their god, Yahweh, and in turn worshipped five false gods, five false idols. And in committing idolatry in worshipping these false gods, the writer of 2 Kings tells us this amazing thing. The people themselves became false. In worshipping these false idols, they became false. When I came across those words, they became false, I thought immediately of the battle that we all face with our false selves and the challenge that we face in becoming our true self. I immediately began thinking of the great Henry Nouwen, a person who had such a big impact on me, on my life, through his books, uh, some correspondence that he and I had. Uh, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with Henry, but Uh, His influence was pretty great. I've read just about everything he's ever written. And he talked a lot about our identity, being the beloved. And in one of his talks, a really famous talk that had a big impact on me, he talks about two of the famous lies about our identity, which are these. Number one, I am what I have. And number two, I am what others say about me. Henry believed that these lies are pervasive, that All of us tend to define our value and also the value of other people in these two beliefs, namely that our identity is based on the things I have and it's based on the opinions others have of us. Henry explains it this way in this wonderful talk I mentioned. Uh, Here's what he has to say. I am what I have means this. I might say that I have good parents or I'm from a good country or I have had a good education or I have a good body. I'm healthy. I have friends. I have accomplishments, degrees. It's all in my knapsack. Henry uses that analogy. And you have your knapsacks. And if we meet each other, we compare what's in our knapsacks. And we compare what's in them. This is how we relate to each other. If we have a lot of things, we feel good. If we lose some of them, we feel bad. We feel even threatened. The second lie is, I am what other people say about me. Henry explains, more and more what others say about us is terribly important. If someone tells us we're awful, it crushes us. 
if a hundred people say we are great and one person says we're bad, we remember that one. You're dumb. That's what we remember, Henry says. If people say we're great, we might feel good. But if they don't say we're great, we lose our sense of self. Our life is therefore full of ups and downs. He concludes, If we have things and people speak well of us, we go above the line. We feel good about ourselves. But if we lose things and people say bad things, we go below the line which means our life is always in flux. We wonder if we're worthwhile. So much energy spent in mental health care is to keep people above the line. Just to make it another day, another year. We just survive. We cope with life. I know in my own life I've struggled mightily with these two lies. But I've also discovered there are three additional lies about our identity that have plagued me and just about everyone I know. Like the Israelites who worshipped five false gods, I have myself given my precious sacred identity over to five false narratives. Three in addition to Henry's. So the five great lies about our identity are these. I am what I have. I am what others say about me. Those were Henry's two lies, and I had these three. I am what I do. I am how I look. I am what I have done, or what others have done to me. The third lie is, we are what we do. This refers to our occupations. We have a pretty clear value system based on what people do. We value some occupations over others. The fourth lie is, I am how I look. We live in a body-obsessed culture, to be sure. From childhood through adulthood, we're evaluated by our physical appearance. We're told maybe that we're too tall, or we're too short, or you're too thin, or too fat, that our eyes or our nose or something about us is wrong. Or we're praised for our appearance. Either way, we're led to believe the lie that we are how we look. The fifth lie is, I am what I've done, or what was done to me. We often define ourselves and others by our worst mistakes or by the bad things that have happened to us. We might have committed some sin in our past and we continue to define ourselves by some sort of scarlet letter we've given ourselves. Or maybe we were neglected or abused or hurt by someone and this becomes a way we define ourselves. And again, it can work on the positive side. Some people define themselves uh, on their best accomplishments, and they try to live forever in them, what Bruce Springsteen called the glory days. It occurred to me that these five lies about our identity are the dominant narratives of the world in which we live. So the second part of that statement in 2 Kings 17.15 becomes even more relevant. They became false, dot, 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 as they followed the nations that were around them. The world in which we live is a world of darkness. I mean, when we follow the narratives of this world, the five beliefs mentioned above, we fall into a kind of darkness. If we believe we are merely what we have, what we do, how we look, what we've done, and what others say about us, we live in a kind of darkness that manifests itself in anxiety and fear, anger, resentment, loneliness, and even violence. 
every one of these narratives is built on the precarious nature of opinions and things, which are constantly in flux. By their nature, they place us in a position of competition. I must have more than others, do more than others, look better than others, be more pure than others, and be thought of as better than others. We face this every day when we open up our phones. I mean, right away we are exposed to these false narratives. We're going to look at things on social media. We're going to look at news feeds and stories, and everything's going to be shouting those things. Are you good enough? Are you enough? Have you done enough? Are you doing as well as other people? We end up living, as Henry Nouwen said, going above the line and then going below the line, as if we're on a kind of teeter-totter. We're up one day and then down low the next. Ultimately, we end up with a heart that condemns us. My friend Kurt Thompson calls this the shame attendant. That's that part of us, that, that voice inside of us that actually says, yeah, this is who you are. You're probably familiar with the shame attendant. I know I am. That voice inside that goes, yeah, you're not this, you're not that. And those people are better and that sort of thing. And, you know, when I experience that, when I've sort of bought into those lies and when I've listened to that inner voice, that shame attendant, that's when I really try to lean into the truth. And that comes from 1 John three nineteen through 21. Let me read these words. They're so good. By this we'll know that we're from the truth and will assure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. Did you catch that? When our hearts condemn us. He says it twice. Because in the end, it is our own heart that condemns us. If we listen to that shame attendant, we will then become the arbitrators of our identity. Oh, this is who I am. Yes, people say bad things about us. Fine. It's possible for us to let those roll right off our back. But the most important voice is actually that own inner voice that we listen to. In the end, it's really, who do I say? that I am. I mean, what a great insight that John has for us in his epistle. But then notice what John says. God is greater than our hearts. God is greater than our hearts if our hearts condemn us. See, he says, this is the only way that we can have boldness. And that is because the true narrative is this. I am who Jesus says I am. Our true identity can never be found from our own inner voice, from listening to that shame attendant. We may think it's reliable, but our own voice is no more to be trusted than the opinions of others. Which voice must we listen to? There is a voice that precedes ours. It is the voice that called each of us into existence. It is the voice of God. That is the one true voice who can tell us who we truly are. You know, along those lines, Dallas Willard wrote, 
the process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing the destructive images and ideas we have with the images and ideas that fill the mind of Jesus. I've come to believe that this includes the destructive images and ideas we have about ourselves. We have to replace the false narratives, I'm not enough, I'm unwanted, I don't matter, with the narratives about us that filled the mind of Jesus. Why is it that Jesus alone is the one who can define us? Well, because Jesus is the one who created us. Paul explained who Jesus was to the Colossian Christians when he wrote this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things. That includes you and me. All things, you and I, were created in Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. And in Christ, you and I are held together. Every particle of our being was fashioned by Jesus, and every moment of our lives are being sustained by His power and grace. In short, no one knows us better than Jesus. No one knows us more truly than Jesus. So back to Henry Nouwen, who put it so well, and I want to close with Henry's own words. Jesus' whole message is that you are not what you have or what other people say about you. That is not who you are. Jesus says to us, I come to reveal to you who you truly are. Jesus says, I hold you in the palm of my hands. I have engraved you in my hands. I have called you from all eternity. I have fashioned you in the depths of the earth. I have molded you together in your mother's womb. You belong to me. I belong to you. You and I are forever united from all eternity. Before your mother's or father's touched you, I loved you. I cared for you. I held you safe. I saw you and I embraced you. You are my child. You belong to me. That, friends, is a true thought from above. I hope you join me next week for episode 87. It is a conversation with my friend Tish Harrison Warren. It is so good. She has a new book out. I know you're going to love it. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you'll get them automatically each week. My hope is that one day, if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.